a pastor's son and his mom were at the shopping mall and he was acting really badly. Um, he wanted everything that he saw and whenever his mom said no, um, he would whine and, and act out and then, and then he would run away from her sometimes without telling her and so she'd have to interrupt her shopping to try to find him frantically. A lot of you know what that's like. Um, so you know, just, just stuff like that. They're on the drive home and the little boy can tell that his mom is not happy. And so he says, Mom, when we ask God to forgive us, God does, doesn't he? And the mom said, yes, he does. The little boy continued, and when God forgives us, he casts our sin into the deepest sea, right? And the mom said, yeah, that's what the Bible says. So the little boy was, was quiet for a while. And then he said, well, I've asked God to forgive me, but I bet when we get home, you're going to go fishing for all those sins, aren't you? <laughs> you know, there's a lot that we can say about God. You know, from our vantage point uh, down here, as we trudge through uh, you know, our life on this earth and all the, the, the stuff that gets thrown at us, we have a lot of different beliefs and uh, convictions about God in all of that, about who God is and, and what God does. And in fact, uh, we like to theologize and debate that stuff about God's character, uh, maybe about what God can do or God can't do, and, and then we make doctrines uh, out of that stuff. When I was in seminary at Emory in Atlanta, I would go out to my granddaddy's farm, which was near there, uh, once a week, and I would help him out there, you know, work in the orchard or mending fences. A lot of times we were in the garden planting stuff, and uh, we would do that. We would, we would talk theology and uh, talk about God and talk about the church. Uh, oftentimes he would, you know, uh, try to help shape me uh, as I anticipated becoming a, a pastor. And I, I know he, he, he often said, if you believe that something is true, then live it, because ultimately life cannot support that which is not true. Well, there's one thing that I know to be true. I'm sure of it without question, because it's been a part of my life experience. And that is that God is in the business of forgiving sin. Our text for today, uh, it, it's actually a song. And you know, as I lived with this, I thought, I really miss singing with you in this place. All the health experts say that uh, it's dangerous right now for us to sing, uh, and they're right. You know, whenever we sin, at least it's been my experience. It's like the music is gone. I don't feel like singing anymore. And, and the Bible says that there's an enemy, an enemy who understands that. And so we're tempted to sin because the enemy knows that when God's people are singing, it's dangerous. 
Psalm 103 reminds me of my predicament down here. Uh, it re- reminds me that um, I-, I am in desperate need uh, because of my iniquity. I need forgiveness because of my disease. Uh, I need healing. Because of my life in this pit, in the places that I find myself, I need to be delivered. I need to be redeemed. From my vantage point here, sometimes I feel lost, without hope, like my song is gone. But from God's vantage point, it's quite different. Psalm 103 helps us to see things from God's perspective, helps us to understand who God is. It's actually a love song. The Hebrew word chesed appears four times in this song. And and it actually means steadfast love. So when we sing this song, um, we're singing about one who loves so deeply that there is this um, forgiveness uh, of iniquity. There, there is healing of, of disease. Um, there, is, there is redeeming from, from the pit. And as I thought about it, that kind of depth of, of compassion and love, it's like, who can do that? Who does that? Well, the song says, one who has chesed, someone who has steadfast love, Webster's Dictionary uh, says that to be steadfast uh, is is to be fixed and and firmly in place, immovable, uh, that which uh, does not change. Verse 4 says that uh, the Lord crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. The Lord crowns you. And I thought about that. It's like, who usually gets crowned? Well, royalty does. We put gold or, or silver crowns on, on queens and, and kings or, or, or princes and, and princesses. So does, does God think I'm royalty? I think probably. You know, my, my dentist crowns, <laughs> just uh, two weeks ago, um, he said, I, I need to get a crown on that tooth back there, and that there were some options. And so I went home and I told my wife, Chan, I was like, I've got to have a crown, um, and, and I want the gold one. And she just slowly shook her head, you're going to get enamel. And I said, well... If God were giving me a crown, he would cover it in gold. Because <laughs> he would. But you know, 
from my perspective down there, I sometimes feel like God could never forgive that. And then God does. Because that's who God is. You know, forgiveness is a powerful force. It puts the song back in my mouth. We were serving with the United Methodist Church in Lithuania when Hurricane Katrina hit. And in the aftermath of that hurricane, um, there was a feature story on, on CNN. And this story uh, followed like this beleaguered group of, of refugees, uh, six or seven of them, uh, coming out of the city. They, they were young people who uh, had worked in, in the French Quarter. And uh, they were uh, bartenders, uh, exotic dancers, tattoo artists, street, street, musician, street musicians, you know, like that. And this reporter from CNN uh, saw them, this ragged, scraggly group, uh, just, just walking along the interstate. They were just, they were just trying to, to get out of New Orleans, uh, to get out of the, the chaos and, and the devastation. And so they had, uh, for days, been, been wandering from, from shelter to shelter. Uh, they didn't have any form of communication, no phones, they, they didn't have any uh, transportation. Uh, they were desperate. And so the, the story focused on uh, one young woman in this group. Um, uh, she was a bartender in, in one of the, the more seedy nightclubs in the French Quarter. Her dad is a, a pastor from, from somewhere out in the Midwest. Apparently, they had a serious falling out. And, and when she was a teenager, she ran away from home and, and she ran to the Big Easy. Um, where she began to, to live her life there. And, and she looked really ragged. She looked exhausted from, from this experience. Um, every part of her that could be pierced was pierced. Every part of her that couldn't be pierced was, was tattooed. And so, as the reporter is talking to her, um, she asks if she can borrow his phone. She says, I, I just need to let someone know that uh, that we're okay, uh, let someone know where I am. And the reporter was like, sure, you can borrow my phone. And so she calls her dad. And they hadn't talked for a long time. And her, her dad answered the phone. And she said, Daddy, I'm okay. And just burst into tears. She said, I don't know how we're going to get out of here. I'm so scared. They exchanged a few words and, and then hung up. And the re reporter said, well, what did he say? And with tears streaming down her face, she said, he's coming. He said, he's coming right away. He's bringing the church van to come and pick us up. The song says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. 
For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. My prayer for us today is that we'll make that call. That we'll receive that forgiveness and we'll know this love that is fixed and, and, and immovable. And that we'll sing and be dangerous again. Amen.